following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. At Pepsi, you try to have a low price when you go in, so people try it. And I said to the franchisees, how can you do this? You're going to be killing the brand. They said, no, no, everybody's going to try it. But the problem is they're not going to come back. Okay, so we're going to make a lot of money on this thing. And they did. That's probably why I didn't get fired. Welcome to the Forbes interview. I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do in-depth interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I hope you brought your appetites. Today, we have David Novak, who you might know if you've ever been to a Pizza Hut, um, Taco Bell, KFC, because he is the former CEO of Yum Brands and the current founder of Ogolead.com. David, thank you for joining us. It's great to be on. Thank you very much. Now, there's so much to talk to you about here. I want to start with you have an amazing adventure going from, I think you said, what, from the trailer park to the corner office? Right, right. And not only that, you know, you started in advertising and became, you know, the CEO of a massive, massive company. Right. Let's talk about right. that journey really fast. Yeah. Well, I come from a very different kind of background. Uh, my, my dad was a government surveyor. And uh, we moved every three months when I was growing up. I was born in a little town called Beeville, Texas. And, uh, and uh, I lived in 23 states by the time I was in uh, the, the seventh grade. Wow. The biggest, ha- biggest house I had was eight feet wide by 40 feet long. And uh, that was a trailer. And we were in a surveying party. So every three months, my dad would hook up the government truck. And you know, we'd go from small town to small town. And he would do the surveying for longitude and latitude points. And uh, huh. And so uh, I'm the only guy that uh, you probably know that uh, uh, has lived in Dodge City, Kansas twice because I lived <laughs> in all these small towns. And I went to the University of Missouri, um, got a journalism degree. That's why I started out as an advertising copywriter. Uh, nice. Then I went uh, – I decided I wanted to get on the business side of advertising, get into account work. And uh, I went to Ketchum, McLeod & Grove and was on the, the Heinz 57 sauce account. And then I decided to – I wanted to get into a bigger pond, and uh, I went to Dallas, actually, and worked for Tracy Lock Advertising, where I worked on the Frito-Lay account. And I quickly moved up the ladder and became the management supervisor on Frito-Lay, which was owned by PepsiCo. And then they offered me the, the uh, opportunity to be uh, the chief marketing officer for Pizza Hut. So I went to Pizza Hut. We turned around the business, had great success for four years. Then I got promoted to go to uh, Pepsi uh, to run marketing sales for Pepsi. Then I became chief operating officer. Then I was uh, went to uh, KFC and became president of KFC and then president of Pizza Hut. And then I got the offer to be the CEO of, uh, of Frito-Lay, and I actually turned it down because I love the restaurant yeah. business so much. And the great news was uh, I didn't know this at the time, but PepsiCo was planning off, on, on spinning off the restaurants into a, its own public company. And I was at the right place in the right time and got to, to uh, start and co-found uh, Yum Brands. And uh, build a build a great uh, multinational company over the last uh, 17, 18 years. So it's fun. It, I always say my journey was almost accidental. There's no way I could have ever figured out that uh, I was going to go from you know growing up in a trailer park uh, to to the to the corner office, as as you <laughs> mentioned. But I always say I I succeeded uh, uh, because of my upbringing, not in spite of it. My mom and dad, they were so encouraging, so loving. All they wanted me to do was to live the American dream, and I've been blessed enough to do it. And taking a moment to thank our supporters, Amica Insurance, Rocket Mortgage, 
and Veridesk. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. You traveled, you said, lived in 23 states uh, you know, before seventh grade. It sounds like you've had 23 careers uh, since uh, <laughs> leaving there. It's, it's fascinating, too, because... You know, you these are with the, all these different jobs. Obviously, it was in the uh, like the Frito Lay umbrella, and you know, a lot of it was consumer products. But how did the, how are these roles different, and how did you jump from role to role? Especially, I, I think I, I was reading an old story in Barron's how you were the CMO of PepsiCo, and then you right. went in and you wanted to expand your skill set and wanted to right. do operate COO of of PepsiCo, right. which sounds like an operations nightmare. Um, well, how, how did you kind of how do you like switch your brain on and off to these very yeah. different jobs? Well, it was interesting because, you know, I did come up in, in marketing, and, and that was my, my background. I always believe no matter what your functional vocation is, it, you need to be focused on the customer. You need to understand the customer inside and outside and then use whatever power you have to get people focused on listening and responding to the voice of the, of the customer. Yeah. But from a career perspective, you know, I was a marketing person. I was running marketing sales for, for, for Pepsi. But I was perceived to be a marketing person by Wayne Calloway, who was the chairman of PepsiCo. I remember having lunch with him every quarter, and then finally he asked me this faithful question. He says, David, what do you want to do in your career? And I said, I want to be a division president of PepsiCo. Uh He said, well, I think you're a really good marketing guy. And I said, well, I want to be a division president of PepsiCo. And he says, I think you're a really good marketing guy. (laughs) So I realized that if I was going to become a uh, division president, I was going to have to demonstrate to him and other people that I was more than just a good marketing guy and that I could – could could understand operations and 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 understand the P and L and get results. So that's right. What's the division? What's the division president? I don't know what that. Uh, that would have been at is. that point in time. That would have been I'd been running Pepsi or Frito Lay or or uh, uh, Pizza Taco Bell or KFC, running the operational unit. Yeah. You know, at PepsiCo there was one CEO who was in charge of all that and then would represent the company with the public and with the board. I see. So, but I wanted one of those big division jobs, and uh, you know, so when the operating job came up and was open at Pepsi. I went to my my uh, coach at the time, Craig Weatherup, and I begged him for the opportunity to run operations, even though I didn't know anything about it. And because uh, I think he and Wayne thought I had potential and they wanted to test me, they they put me in that job. And and uh, you know I demonstrated that I I had the capacity to to work in operations and and run a business, and that's how I got promoted to be president of KFC. Uh, how'd you learn? How'd you like? Cause it sounds like the Tell me, like, what was the COO role at Pepsi at the time? Like, what was it? Must yeah. have been so different than the CMO role. Yeah, How did well, you learn you know, on the fly? Well, you, we had to. I had to work with all the bottling plants, and and I had to understand operations and how we make soda and how we sell it and how you load the trucks and how you how you do pricing, etc. And you know, so I didn't know anything about these things. And so, but I I was smart enough to know. I don't know, smart enough, but I was. You know, I I I guess my gut told me that hey, you may not know something about. A subject, but the best way to learn is to go to the people who really do, and and learn from them, and get them involved in helping you. So, you know, I went to all the, you know, all the what I call the best subject matter experts in in operations at at, uh, at, at Pepsi, and I asked them, you know, what was working, what wasn't working, what they would do with me if they were me, and you know, I realized that the, I did that, and then I also went out and I I met with the front line. Yeah. And I, I work with the front line and I asked them the same questions and I went into bottling plants. And so what I learned were what, what were the, I learned what the real problems were. And then what I did is and I, I went back to the, the to our 
our headquarters and I said, gosh, these are the problems that we have. We're not loading our trucks properly. We're not doing the right kind of pricing. There's, uh, there's not enough communication between the plants. And we reinvented our processes to get better at operations. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was amazing just by going out and listening to people how much I learned. And then I could use the power of my role to, to really – you know, remove the barriers and get things done that needed to get done. And, you know, I actually was very proud of what I was able to accomplish in a couple of years. And it's the reason why I got promoted to, 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 to run one of these divisions. Now, blow my mind. What was the most surprising thing you learned about making soda when you were doing oh. this? <laughs> well, What's like your well, best bar story? Like, you're not going to believe uh, this kind of uh, thing. Well, I'll tell you the story that impacted me the most in my career. And and it's you know I, I would do these roundtables. I'd go at six o'clock and, and go out to the, the bottling plants, and I would talk to, to people about what their jobs were and how they could do it better, et cetera, and what, what was working. So I'm having this roundtable with you know eight or nine route salesmen. These are people who drive the trucks and do all the merchandise. I'm asking about merchandise, uh -huh. and uh, you know they all started raving about this guy named Bob sitting down at the end of the table. And they say, Bob is the best at merchandising I've ever seen. He taught me more in four hours than I learned my first four years. And everybody's heaping all this praise on him. And I look, look down, the, down at the end of the table, and he's crying. And I said, Bob, why are you crying? These people love you. And he said, you know, I've been in this company for 47 years. And I didn't know people felt this way about me. And I'm retiring in, in two weeks. Oh. And I said to myself, that, that had such impact on me because at that point in time, I said, I'm going to make recognizing people the number one value that I try to drive in whatever organization I have the privilege of running as I go forward in my career. So that, that was absolutely a monumental, big, big shift. And you know, what I found uh, was that a lot of times when big corporations come in or they take over uh, family entities, you know, like Pepsi bought up a lot of family bottling companies. Uh -huh. and, and, you know, you'd go in and I'd walk in the lobby and you'd see these trophy cases that would say employee of the, the year, 1987. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's when Pepsi acquired it. And, and now it's 1995 and nobody's been, been recommended. I've been, been recognized, you know. And it was just, it was such a sad thing to see a lot of these things, the culture go out of these companies. And I, I realized just the importance of, of creating the right work environment where everybody on the team really feels that they're valued. In terms, it's interesting that you went to the, I talked to a lot of successful CEOs and leaders and they say, you know, I learned more from, you know, talking to the guys loading the trucks or on the, on, on the, um, you know, on the shipping dock or whatever you want to call it, like, was it rare that you were doing this? Do a lot of people come in and kind of feel like they're, you know, they had this fancy MBA or they come in, they want to direct from the top down? Like, is it rare that someone like you goes and talks to the, the people actually, you know, on the front lines and, you know, making, making tweaks there? Well, I think it is. I think it has to be rare because all you have to do is, is look at the, 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 the numbers today. You know, I, Gallup has a poll where they say 70 percent of, of employees don't feel like they're engaged at, at work. Yeah. And, you know, that, that comes from, I believe, a, a, a problem with leadership, not really letting people know that they're valued and, and appreciated. And, and I think if you're out there with the people and understanding their needs and solving their barriers, you, you know, you, you're going to you – know, and people know that you listen to them, they're going to feel engaged. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the most powerful way to motivate somebody is to truly listen to them and then do something about what you hear. And, you know, I, th I think if that was going on – uh, there, you wouldn't see as much 
the lack of employee engagement that you, you see in the world today. I, I think we have what I call toxic, too much toxic leadership. You know, people who are managing with a mm-hmm. top-down mindset, uh, they, they, they don't create the environment where people feel appreciated or, 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 or respected. And they're leaders who think they have all the answers. And, you know, uh, and just think about this. How do you feel if a decision is made that impacts you, that you when you're not included? Yeah. Well, you don't feel good. And I, I think, uh, you know, no involvement means no commitment. And I think the best leaders get out there and understand what's going on by being with the people. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes interview podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, Mortgage, you get a transparent online process. It gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. And this podcast is brought to you by Amica Auto Home and Life Insurance. When you call Amica, you can expect a different experience because Amica is all about customer service that goes above and beyond the ordinary. You always get the help you need when you call Amica. Visit meetamica.com slash Forbes today. Now, fast, uh, talking about this leadership and kind of this, um, this philosophy, you know, fast forward a few years, you're the CEO of Yum! Brands with, I'm sure, thousands of, you know, there's so many components, but just think, like, there's thousands of stores, and those are, those are tough jobs. Like, fast food is an entry-level job. It's often a thankless job. How did, you kind, how did you manage that team, and how do you make people with jobs that people overlook often feel important and feel like it's not just a, yeah. you know, the old flipping burgers is kind of a, uh, you know, a negative concept, not that you did any burgers, yeah. but, you know what yeah. I'm saying, like, it's tough, yeah. tough gig. Yeah, no, it's very hard. And, you know, we ended up, we started out with 700,000 team members. We ended up with a million four. Uh, but one of the things I believe is, is that leaders do or, or organizations do what the leader does. The leader, leader, leaders cast a huge shadow. So what's important to you becomes important to the rest of the organization. So the first thing you have to do is exhibit, you know, th- those, those characteristics that you want the rest of the organization to, to, to amplify. Yeah. So if you're out in the field, other people will go out in the field. If you recognize people, other people will recognize people. If you, you, you say our role is to serve our team members and the people in the field and satisfy our customers, then that's what gonna, other people are going to do because they want to be successful and they want to grow. And so I think the first thing you do is you, 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 you cast a, the right shadow that you want to have spread around your organization. The other thing that I did that I think helped build our culture is I made my number one priority uh, to develop leaders. 
So I spent, you know, 15 years teaching a program called Taking People With You in the process of leadership. And it was all about helping people recognize that you can't make big things happen by yourself. You need to take people with you. And I gave them a process on on how to really do that. And I taught that to over 4,000 people in our organization. Uh, It was a three-day seminar. I did it as many times as eight times a year. And then I also uh, wrote a book called Taking People With You so I could cascade it to all of our restaurant general managers because I wanted to make it go deeper and deeper. Can you give me a quick uh, real life? Can you give me a quick real life example of how that might work in uh, at Yum? At Yum, in terms of uh, the the leadership program itself, in terms of the, uh, the, the philosophy, the philosophy. First of all, is you you have to have the right mindset. Okay, you have to have the right mindset where you go to work that your job is to unleash the power of people. I, I taught the importance that you know the only way you can get done is to get people together, get them involved, ask them what's working, what's not working, what they would do with you, come up with you know define reality together, and then develop a strategy, structure, and culture together as a team that you're going to implement to to really get it done. And so let's say let's say somebody wants to introduce a. Uh, uh, breakfast at, 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 at Taco Bell. We used the process to really get that done. We had, uh, you know, we, we understood what the reality was in the marketplace. We, we realized that people, you know, don't, they don't wake up thinking of Taco Bell for breakfast. So we had to break through the clutter in terms of how we do that. And, and, uh, so, you know, we, we worked, uh, we developed a plan and where we would do the right kind of test marking. We got our franchisees involved who were concerned about can we make money at breakfast. Yep. And so we broke down all the barriers and then we ended up running, a, uh, opening a very successful uh, uh, breakfast line of business. And, and I think that that happened because we took people with us. We just didn't tell people, hey, you go do breakfast because this is the right thing to do. Yep. No, we showed people how to do it and we listened to our team members and we listened to our customers and we came up with the right products and the right way to open up our doors in the morning. One thing you said that really stuck with me is, you know, at one point you had grew to more than a million, you know, a million employees. Um, you know, you're running all these restaurants and all the logistics and the marketing and the food safety and the R&D and the, the different cultures of the different brands. Like, how did you do that as CEO? Like, what was like your day in the life? I, I, that yeah. sounds like a, a very complex and yeah. uh, 24-7 job. Yeah, it is. A, it is. But, you know, I had a lot of great people. I didn't do it by myself. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest point that I would make. We, I, we had great people all around the world making it happen. I focused on developing the right leaders. Our view was is that the formula for success was you get your people capability right, then you're going to satisfy more customers, then you make money. Too many leaders start out saying, I want to make money, but they don't know how you get there. So we made building people capability the, the number one priority. So I spent you know, 40% of my time focused on people and the, the work environment and, and the culture. And then I would spend you know, uh, time understanding what our customer needs were. And so I really organized my time around the formula for success, people, customers, and, and the financial success of our company. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I allocated my time and looked at my calendar to make sure it was uh, uh, around those three things. But I think the, the whole people capability was 40 to 50% of my time. I see. And then you had, like, did you had separate kind of, did you have division leaders, like you said, at PepsiCo? Like, yeah. There was yeah. A CEO we had KFC. division leaders, and then we have our franchisees we had to educate. We had operators we had to educate. 
but we really believe the key was communicate, communicate, communicate. You know, let people know what the performance expectations are. Let people know what the tools are that we have to to to, to drive that performance, and you know, make sure that uh, you know we we drove that the, that deep, and then we held people accountable for doing it, and and had fun. And had fun doing it. You know, we we really made recognition a big driver of our our culture, and we had a lot of fun recognizing people in in fun and unique ways. When I was president of KFC, I gave away a rubber chicken. When I was president <laughs> of Pizza, Hut, I gave away a cheese head. You know, like a Green Bay Packers cheese head. Yeah. I would write on each one of them, number them, take pictures of people and say, your picture's going in my office. And now if you walk in my office in Louisville, you see people that I've recognized all around the world on, on my, not only my walls, but on the ceiling. <laughs> and but, but we had a lot of fun. Now, I mentioned the ca- casting the shadow leadership. When I started recognizing people with my personal awards, other people developed their own personal awards. And they started giving them away. And, you know, like the t- president of Taco Bell would give away a sauce packet. You know, we, <laughs> you, you know, we would have uh, a region coach in, in Florida give away a can that said, me too, you know, you, you can on it, you yep. know, for, for positive attitude. But every, all of our leaders were expected to have their own individual recognition awards and then find a, the, 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 you know, recognize the behaviors that were driving our success when they saw it. Oh. Do it spontaneously. Don't wait for the, the big monumental event. One of the big things I always love about the food is the, the, the R&D and the test labs and the new products. Um, did you get hands-on with that? And I heard, I believe, are you the father of the famous Crystal Pepsi? Uh, yes, I yes I was. I, and and uh, no, you're right, absolutely. I, I think that uh, you know, uh, you know, I was very lucky to be in a business where it was all about people, yep. food, and customers. Those were the three things I loved the most. Okay, and, and so so I was in the right business. We actually created a, a chef kitchens at each of our restaurants where we got uh, franchisees involved in helping us develop re- uh, recipes. And literally I'd go down and eat food for three or four hours and have to go back and take a nap. You know, <laughs> it, it was, that, that was part of it. And yes, I did do crystal Pepsi. Uh, you know, I came up with that idea on my own in my office and thought, you know, when I was a head of uh, Pepsi that boy, if we had a clear Pepsi, that would be really shocking, provocative, yeah. would be perceived to be better for you. And, and, uh, you know, I moved heaven and earth to launch it on the Super Bowl, and uh, uh, it ended up not being that successful. And the, the main reason why it wasn't that successful is that I didn't give it enough uh, flavor, uh, Pepsi flavor characteristics. And our franchisees told me that. <laughs> our bottlers said, they said, hey, look, it does, you're going to call it Crystal Pepsi and doesn't taste enough like Pepsi. And I, I, I said, yeah, we don't want it to taste like Pepsi. We want it to be different. But the, he said, they said, well, you're calling it Pepsi. You've got to taste it more like Pepsi. And I said, no, nah, you don't really get it. So I didn't listen to him. I didn't practice what I preached in terms of leadership. Maybe that's why I became so passionate about leadership is that I, I had this phenomenal idea. If I would have just listened to the franchisees, we could have launched it. And I think it could have been enormously successful. Yeah, when it came out, I think I, I was probably like 10 or 11. So there was a, and that yeah. was back when network TV, you guys flooded the uh, flooded the, the, the airwaves. It was a big to do, and people went out and like. Oh the, yeah, it was hilarious. I think there's a great was it the Silent Live skit when they did the clear gravy. Oh yeah, they did. <laughs> and it was what was amazing is that our franchisees said, "Hey, look, it's, it was the only product in the, in the history of Pepsi Cola where it was introduced at a premium price because at Pepsi you try to have a low price when you go in so people yeah. try it." And I said to the franchisees, "How can you do this? You're going to be killing the brand." They said, "No, no, everybody's going to try it." Yep. But the problem is they're not going to come back, okay? So we're going to make a lot of money on this thing. And they did. 
That's probably why I didn't get fired. <laughs> yeah, right? And I think it became such a big talk. It was probably a, a good branding exercise. Like, you po- yeah. got Pepsi on people's minds. Oh, absolutely. We had a very good year that year. We made our plan, exceeded the plan. It was a very, very good year. But, you know, I, when I look back at it is I think it was one of the best ideas I personally ever had. But it was poorly executed. And the reason why it was poorly executed is I really didn't listen to what the, what the issues were with the product. And I could have made it taste better. Yep. And if I would have. I'm sure it would have been a a home run. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 Electric Standing Desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veridesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veridesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at veridesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I-Desk dot com slash Forbes. I want to talk a little fast forward about, you know, restaurant trends and food trends and also health trends. I mean, food has become a real t- big subject matter. There's a, you know, people are talking about, you know, fast foods and sugars and obesity. How did that kind of square as, as running Yum? Yeah. Well, our view was is that we need to give people choice. And so what we did is, you know, we, we really believe that, 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 that people want to have choice and, and they deserve to have choice. And, you know, our job is, is to give it to them. So at KFC, we introduced a grilled chicken, for example. Uh, at, at Taco Bell, we introduced a Fresco line of products, which is mm-hmm. 10 items with under 10, 10 fat grams. At, at, at uh, Pizza Hut, we have uh, uh, you know a, a pizza light product with fewer fewer calories. Yeah, so we did you know did that kind of kind of uh, uh, a breadth of our, our our menu to really fulfill that those needs. And you know I think that uh, you know f- fast food is. Is, is really great because it tastes good, it's fast, it's convenient, and it's affordable. And we really provide, I think, the industry provides a, a, a great, great benefits uh-huh. to consumers. But it's like anything else, you got to have balance in your life. You know, if you're eating fast food, you know, 21 of your 21 meals during the week, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a problem yeah. like, of, 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 of being overweight. But the facts are, that's really not what, that's, that's not what's driving, you know, the obesity uh, in, 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 in the, in the world today. There are a lot, lots of things that, that, that contribute to it. And I think it's too simplistic to say it's just fast food. No, yeah. Are you, do you see the, um, just, I know you're not in the business anymore, but do you see the trend moving towards healthier ingredients or, um, besides options, just, you see them, how do you see fast food changing right now? Cause you know, the times uh, I, are changing, I, I, tastes are changing. I think people want quality ingredients, you know, more than necessarily low calories. Okay. 
they're looking for for the right options that they can uh, meld into their life. I think what people are really looking for today is when they want to really have something indulgent and taste great, they want to splurge. They, yep. they, they, they want to do that. But then they balance it by other times in the day where they don't they, – they say, okay, I'll cut back on this or that so I can go out and have that big night. But I do think that people are very concerned about what, what goes in their body. They want it to be high quality and, and it's up to all the manufacturers – in food service and packaged goods to, to really continue to get better and better at offering products with quality ingredients. Nice. You still eat a lot of fast food? Uh, I, you know, I don't eat as much as I used to because I used to be out in the restaurants every day, yeah. you know? Um, but I still, you know, I still go in, still have a taco every now and then order a pizza and, you know, enjoy my, uh, my KFC every now and then. So, but, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm moving, moving on now. I'm, yeah. I'm really focused on my, on my passion that I developed while I was young, young, which is to develop leaders at, uh, and make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And that's what I, that's why I started Ogo lead and, uh, I'm having a blast with it. I, I do uh, bi-weekly podcasts like you. Nice. I, every every two weeks, I, I interview somebody. I've interviewed. If you go online, you can listen to uh, Jamie Dimon, Indra Nui, Dave Cody. You know, uh, during Masters Week, I'm actually going to publish one with Rory McIlroy. You know, talking about leadership, and you know, I have all kinds of uh, people that I know that I'm 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 having a blast interviewing. And then we also do weekly blogs. And uh, we provide learning guides on some of the concepts that we talk about in, in leadership. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, I just launched this digital online leadership program uh, called uh, uh, the Ogo Lead Hardwiring and Hardwiring Your Leadership. Uh, uh, and, you know, I think this is just going to be a home run because, you know, people are starved for, for leadership. And a lot of companies and people can't afford the time and effort it takes to develop a leadership program or yep. to, to take a leadership program. And this, uh, this is a, a 15 to 20 hour program that really goes deep on how you lead yourself and, and, and really become a great leader. So I'm very excited about very it. Because, cool. you know, it's a real, you know, it's a big problem today. There's just not enough uh, uh, great leaders out there. And I think that's why we, we see sort of a toxic environment with, you know, trust being at an all-time low and, you know, the employee engagement numbers that I talked about earlier. How's the, the coursework? Is it, is it a lot of video-based or is it workshops? Give me a, a quick, uh, like, a, a summary, yeah. It, it's online. It's on. It's online uh, program. We we use great technology. We have, uh, you know, whiteboarding. Uh, we have uh, uh, animation. Uh, with role playing with different characters, um, you know we have uh, Second City actors that that, that um, uh, make the points nice, unique yeah. in, in uh, great ways, and it's and it, it really requires you to be very self-reflective. You know we we talk about what a hardwired and hardwired leader is all about. We we introduce concepts like knowledge, belief, action frameworks where, you know, we talk about confirmation bias. Uh, we talk about the importance of having a powerful mindset and closing your intention to action uh, gap. Yep. And, you know, we talk about how to make conflict your friend and, and leverage recognition and, and how to develop a plan for yourself. So, you know, it's 15 to 20 hours where it's really self-awareness, hard, a lot of hard work, but you come out with a, with a real action plan that you're going to put to work. And one of the things interesting today is people want their training online. And when you do it online, there's actually more commitment to it because you're personally having to get engaged yourself. Yeah. You're not going to some three-day three seminar where you're surrounded around by everybody and you learn a few things and you go back and do things the way you've always done it. We're doing this so you really internalize it. 
and you act upon it and it changes the way you lead and makes you a truly better leader. And I, I am so excited about this because there's no, no product like it in the, in the, in the marketplace. Wow. Yeah. It's obviously you, you could easily retire and hang out, but you're, I mean, the fact that you're doing this, it shows that you have a real passion for it. Yeah, well, the other thing I like about this, it's proven. It's based on everything I know that yeah. works and did work. And so a lot of these programs are academic and, you know, they're all philosophical. This is like, okay, this is how we really get it done. And I've done it with my partner, Greg Diedrich, who was my chief people officer and also the president of KFC at one point. And then I've got a doctorate in human organizational development, development uh, Tim Galbraith, who's uh -huh. an expert training so together we're, we're putting our skills together and, and we we think we we're breaking some major ground in, in training and you know uh, we're offering a very uh, good value and and separate of this we we also provide a lot of free content like i just talked about that people can go to and use online at ogolead.com yeah i want to talk about leadership for a second and i'm going to go back to kind of yum the fascinating thing is you took yum was kind of created and really evolved during a, such a crazy technological change in America, um, basically like the birth of the consumer internet, right? Right. And so, right. you know, you're an old school CMO back when you know, yeah, you know, primetime TV and magazines, and now you have the web, social media, and the actual food itself. I mean, uh, if you people are saying that Pizza Hut these days and Domino's are more tech companies, and if you watch how it goes from the online order, the app, right. to the whole process, to the geolocation, I mean, these are tech companies that make make food. It's uh, right. How did you kind of um, embrace that change and kind of get yeah. your arms around it because it moves yeah. so fast and i mean ordering food now is much different than the that you did it you know back in you know 10 years yeah. ago it's, it's yeah, different that, that's true i i know i just you know yum recently acquired grubhub which is a delivery aggregator and you know they to provide more uh, uh, convenience. So, yeah, you're right. It, the, the, the trends really changed. When I started out in 97, basically the business was driven with traditional media. Uh, and, you know, and that was the way I, you, you really drove the business. And traditional media and TV, even today, with viewership down, is still the number one thing that drives uh, traffic yep. in, in, into our stores. But the, the world really evolved into into with technology as you as you mentioned and social media uh, uh, occurring and so as a leader I had to I had to stay current on it and what I did is I did reverse mentoring you know I went to like Tressie Lieberman who ran our Taco Bell social and digital efforts uh -huh. and she was fantastic young really knows her stuff and I said hey Tressie you teach me everything you know about social media media and digital and what's going on in technology today in the world of marketing and I'll teach you everything I know about leadership. So we did reverse mentoring, and yeah, she was cool. fantastic, and she really helped me, and I, I got a lot out of it, and I would recommend that to, to, to everybody. But you have to stay on top of where, where, you know, where, where the world is going. And you know, I think I could have actually moved quicker okay, on, on the technology front. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but every year what I try to do is look at my performance and look at my developmental needs and say, what am I doing well this year? What would I need to do better? And I think getting better at technology and digital is one of those things that I realized that I was going to have to do to get to, to transform as the myself as the business and the environment transformed. And it and it helped me. And uh, I just think, you know, the sooner you can get on top of those trends, the better. What was the biggest surprise? Like, do you remember like when someone mentioned some like mentioned some tech thing or and you're like, oh, that's crazy. That'll never work. And it's kind of really what, what technology has really kind of surprised you in, in, in the food industry? 
Well, I think the biggest thing was, well, we have mobile ordering and we have, you know, we can we can track all of our orders at, at Pizza Hut, you know, over the Internet and, you know, all of that stuff is great. I think the biggest thing that's been so surprising, and I forget what the numbers are, but it's just how much, you know, as the as, as things change, is how much time people spend on their phone. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, that phone, you know, people are glued to the phone. And so, you know, I think that 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 was the biggest, you know, biggest transformational change. And then just the way how people will get their their news and get their information and how fast things can can spread with technology. I mean, it's like, you know, if you have a rumor, you know, it can be spread. And if you don't have people in your company, we we actually had we had had people monitoring what's going on social media 24 seven. So that if there's something that false that goes out about our brands, we can immediately counter it because it's amazing how how technology can just, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly can happen whether you you want it to happen or not. So you got to be out there protecting your brand with technology. Yeah, the good moves fast and the bad probably moves even faster. And you got to be in a lot of times the bad is not true. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta get the truth out there from a brand perspective. And by the way, if you do have something that bad happens, you gotta be the first to apologize, the first to say we're gonna look into it, the first to say we're gonna do whatever we can to make sure it never happens again. And here's how we're gonna do that. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's 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 critical. From your view right now, what, what consumer brands are exciting um, and doing interesting things? Like what, what catches your eye these days? Oh, listen, I don't know how you can't be blown away by, you know, the big four. I mean, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, Amazon, you know, it's just just incredible. Uh, Apple, I mean, one of the, the best marketed brands that's ever been created, at, you know, selling their products yep. at a premium price like you can't believe. You know, Netflix, it's unbelievable. I mean, that is just, they have almost over 100 million subscribers around the world and people are watching TV totally. They're changing the world. Yeah, you know, they, Google. They, they just won an Oscar. You know, and, and Google. Look at Google. I mean, you know, my God, you know, they own just the search engine, you know. So I think those brands are just uh, uh, amazing. But yep. I know what's really exciting is there are lots of startups that are coming up and lots of digital companies that are, that are going to change. You know, change, they're, they're, they're coming up. I, I really believe in this, this uh, generation of millennial leaders. Uh, I think they're much maligned. I think millennials want to contribute. They're just looking for better leadership, better development. And, uh, you know, I, I like to call them the now generation. Yeah. But I guarantee you there's so much innovation going on right now that, that's just going to change the face of this world. Why do you call them the now generation? Because I, I don't like being – if I was a millennial, I wouldn't want to be called a millennial. <laughs> you, know, it, it, you know, millennials, it's like, you know, oh, I'm lazy. I just want things on my term. That's not the there, – there have been aspiring leaders in every generation. And I think uh, what what I do know is the millennials very upset and frustrated. You know, uh, I read somewhere where two thirds of millennials are already looking for another job, and I think it's because they don't like the culture they're in, and they don't feel like they're getting developed, yeah. and they want to grow. And I think those are good things. And I think it's that that pent up demand to achieve more, do more. Uh, I think that's that's much more a part of the the now generation than just wanting to have a balanced lifestyle. <laughs> And, uh, thanks for all the time, David. Before we go, give me uh, what's your what's your favorite food trend? What do you uh, see happening in the food I'm, world? Uh, you know, to me, you know, I, I think you're just going to see uh, uh, more and more of an explosion in flavor. 
you know, I think that it's a global world, so I think global foods are just going to take over and become a more and more part of our life. You know, eating Thai food is going to become more and more regular. Eating Indian food is going to become more and more a part of your life. You know, there'll always be the hamburger, the cheeseburger, the pizza, and all that kind of good yeah. stuff. But, but I think that the explosion of flavors is 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 happening. And I think the other thing is people want things easy. They want it easy. They they don't want to work hard to, to, to find the food that they, they, they want to use. So so delivery and, and uh, ordering and, and and you know ease of ease of access I think is gonna be critical. Oh yeah, you're talking to a New Yorker, so I know all about that. Yeah, absolutely. Delivery well, you don't have, all the time. Not much of a New Yorker accent. No? No, not really. Well, I'm a Jersey boy to begin with, so Oh, there all, you go. It all works. Well, yeah. this is great. Well, I want to thank David Novak, who is the founder of Ogilead and the former CEO of Yum Brands and uh, just and the father of Crystal Pepsi. I like that. You just put that <laughs> in your business card. Hey, by the way, they brought Crystal Pepsi back, you know. They brought it back? They brought it, they brought it back in this last season as a sort of a, uh, a novelty product. I how's think the, it did pretty how, well. How's the flavor? Uh, it's better than what I did. So you, <laughs> you, are a, you, were, you were way ahead of your time. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I was, but I didn't execute it the way I should have. Oh, that all works. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, you bet. I enjoyed every bit of it. Great. Thanks. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.